Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Well, good morning, my Voice America listeners. It has been a while since we've had a live show, and we were missing you. Uh, very happy to have you with us today. I hope that you've reflected over the last week on some of your past successes while diving into all those challenges. We have tried in the past to bring shows that will help you better understand individuals with disabilities or to give you resources to help people or families living with disabilities. Today, I'm really excited to discuss one of my favorite topics. It's, it's moms and moms and children with autism. Um, we're excited this morning to have on the show uh, Julie Hornick, who is the author of a book that's soon to be released called United Autism. And it's a wonderful book uh, about stories of mothers living with autism, living with their children, and the strengths that they demonstrate through their uh, times with them. The stories are very sweet. They, they're very eye-opening. Um, I enjoyed reading it very much. Actually, I've read the book now a couple times. And We'll uh, be promoting it also on our website because it's just really a fantastic tool. One of the most important things for people that are going through any kind of a struggle, and actually Julie's emphasis is not about the struggle. Julie's emphasis is about the strength and the, and the goodness that comes out of it. But anybody that is going through struggles or challenges, the one thing that helps the most is to know that you're not alone, that you're not the only one that has dealt with this kind of situation. It takes away the shame and the guilt and it allows you to maybe say, okay, I'm gonna listen to other people. I'm gonna hear what other people have to say. I'm gonna realize that this is not a, a me issue, but an issue that's out there for others too. And let's see how they worked through their issues. Um, for many, many years, I've worked with families and we've always tried to find the strengths in the children that we're working with um, and not really out to change the kids. The, the, the kids, especially the kids with autism, have their own personality. They're, they're their own person. They're their own individual. Our job is not to change who they are but, you know, it's uh, it's not easy. It's not easy for parents to accept, for one, the fact that their kid may have something different and something that's going to be a lifelong challenge. It's not easy at all. You know, there's a, a, a story. It's called A Trip to Holland. And so this family plans this wonderful trip. This husband and wife and they learn all about Holland and 
Dutch food and and windmills and anything else that you learn about Holland. And they get on their plane and they're reading their Fodor's travel guide about Holland. And the plane lands and the door is open and they come out and they're in China. And they're not prepared for that. They were prepared for Holland. They weren't prepared to find a place to stay in China, know the language in China, know the food, know where they wanted to go, what they wanted to do. And sometimes that story is compared to having a kiddo with a disability because you have these thoughts and expectations that, you know, you got to do something. Your kid is going to be in a certain way or do something in a certain way, and it just doesn't work out that way. But every single person that I've talked to And really, once they get through the initial diagnosis period, the initial couple years of finding out what's going on, almost none of them, almost none, would change anything. They accept their kid for who they are. They look at their strengths. They look at their challenges. And they work with both equally. I'd like to start this morning by reading you a little story, and then later in the show, we'll bring on Julie and discuss her wonderful experiences with moms. So, let's read a little story. My newborn didn't cry. Instead, she peered owl-like at her new environment. Instantly, I fell in love. She was adorable. Her face and shoulders were covered in down-like peach fuzz. Her blue eyes were almond-shaped and her mouth was tiny. Over the next few days in the hospital while I recovered from a cesarean, various professionals came in and out. I well remember the third evening. I was forcing my tired eyes to read a novel that I had been enjoying before Daisy's birth. Along came the junior registrar, hovering over my baby's Caught, his furred brow, far easier to read than my book. Is there something wrong, I asked? This baby isn't normal, he answered. I think there's a kind of a syndrome, Down syndrome. I asked in those days. I, I only knew of one syndrome. Is it, is it Down syndrome? Yes, or something similar. The muscle tone seems very low, and the feet are too small. See? I felt as if I had been dropped into a dark hole. It was lonely in there. A thousand questions bubbled inside of me. But the registrar had disappeared. I wanted to talk to my husband. Instead, I scooped up Daisy, examined my sleeping daughter. Whatever the future held, I knew we were in it together. Looking back, I realized that Even if the brutal news that Daisy was not normal had been given while my husband was there to support me, the question that was closest to my heart could not have been answered by anyone. The question was, what will life be like now? Daisy's official diagnosis was Kabuki syndrome. Came via geneticist when she was 12 months old. Symptoms vary from person to person, but... For Daisy, it involved low muscle tone, joint hypermobility, and a severe learning disability. By the time we were given the full diagnosis, I was pregnant with my third child, who would complete our family. 
From birth, Lenny clearly wasn't disabled in the way Daisy was. He was noticeably muscular and very strong, intensely interested in his environment. Lenny was almost too able for his own good. His one true love, Mother Nature, called him constantly. He outfoxed any security system that we put into place to stop him from getting outside. But despite his physical ingenuity, he didn't talk. He didn't point at things that were that interested him or play with action figures. Instead, he would spin the wheels of the car, staring at the spokes as they whizzed around. At three, Lenny was diagnosed with classic autism, and I had to tell my eldest daughter, Rosie, then seven, that she not only had one, but two disabled siblings. Rosie was bright, academic, and inquisitive. I had noticed that she was a bit different from her peers. But had that, sorry, I had noticed that she had been a bit different from her peers, but had put that down to her for being an old soul who liked adult company. But she was struggling socially at school, and at age nine, she was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. There is a period of retreat while I process the fact that all three children had challenges. Eventually, though, I braved the world. We attracted curious stares everywhere we went. Lenny went, wanted only to perch on adult shoulders or run off at dazzling speed. Daisy needed a specialist pushchair, and Rosie dressed bizarrely and would often be in her own imaginary world. I learned to transform strangers' curiosity into an opportunity to share information and make friends. If their, directed, if their directness left me lost for words, I could rely on Rosie. She was funny, quick-witted, and loved to chat. Daisy doesn't walk yet because she has Kabuki syndrome. It doesn't matter, though, because she's beautiful as an angel. And this is my brother, Lens Lens. He has classic autism, which means he's brilliant and spit. Uh, it means he's brilliant at spinning. I have learned so much in my two decades of being a mother. My children have been my best teachers, especially Rosie, who can't often offer insight into what her younger siblings are feeling, but cannot but cannot say. I wish there had been a wise friend to support me in those early days. So. If you know someone who has a child with autism, here are 10 ways you can help. Incur one, encourage your friend to seek out whatever support is on offer from social and educational services. When parents and services work together in a mutual respective way, everybody's a winner. Two, support your friend to advocate for your ch her child. Medical professionals and school staff are often at a focus on what the child can't do. As a mother, I need to feel positive about my children. I want to, those involved in their care to see their strengths as well as their challenges. Have, having a friend who knows my child come along to a difficult meeting to support me is invaluable. Much of, three, much advice can be gleaned from local parents' groups, and it's a great comfort for a parent to meet others in the same boat. But if your friend is feeling overwhelmed entering the world of special needs, she may need you to accompany her to the initial meetings. Four, strangers' curiosity is often unwelcome. An inquisitive stare or an ill-judged remark can be the last straw. Having you by her side to 
to fend off unwanted interest or offer calm explanations will make all the difference. So we uh, have come to our, our first break. I want to continue this when we come back and then we'll get Julie on the show to discuss things with us. So we'll be back in a couple minutes after our break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice. Much of it conflicting. Some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be, and our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back. I hope you had a chance to go and grab yourself a cup of coffee and settle back in for the rest of this morning's segment. Um, I was reading a story about from a mom of three children with autism or three children with disabilities and was reading a list of 10 suggestions. So we're on number five, and five is broken sleep is often a huge issue for children with autism. And, and by the way, this list is are things that you can do to help the mom with autism, mom living with children with autism. Again, broken sleep is often a huge issue for children with autism. Their parents' physical and mental and emotional health can suffer from many sleepless nights. If you know her child well enough, offer to stay in the house occasionally and be one to get up, be the one to get up instead. When you're unable to sleep, when you're unable to get the rest you need for your body, you you can't function. And when you go on days and days and days and weeks and months with no sleep, you get, you know, pretty sickly. 
And so it's one of the most important things. And one of our, the things that our organization does, Total Programs, is we have what's called a respite program. And the respite program specifically allows for the parent to take a break, go and do whatever they want. And, and we watch the kids. It's babysitting. So that's number six. Occasional respite care can be a godsend. Allowing your friend time to invest in her marriage, spend time with her other children, or just recharge your batteries. But the thought of allowing strangers to care for her child may fill her with guilt. She may need you to help explore what local services can offer in a way of respite care. So sometimes somebody may not want a friend to do it because they feel guilty about it. But maybe you can help them find an organization that will allow uh, or or can accomplish the respite care for them without them feeling um, indebted. Number seven, as a child grows older, their differences may become more apparent. Behaviors such as rocking, flapping hands, bouncing, often called stimming, may mark them out. Because it draws attention to their child, some parents find stimming acutely embarrassing and try to stop it. But stimming isn't just some annoying habit. It often gives a good indication of how the person with autism is feeling. It can show their distress or their joy. It can be a comfort or distract them from something intolerable. So there's two issues there. One is to think about the, the, the factor that a lot of parents deal with, especially when their kids are having behavioral challenges. And that's the embarrassment factor. The, the people that might stare at them or make comments about their parent, parenting style. So it's one of the biggest issues, and it's very, very hard to ignore. But we have to remember that parents, people see things, and they're in their own weird way, they're trying to help in some way. But we can let them know that they can help by giving us some peace and quiet and leaving us alone at the moment, too. The other thing was about stopping of the stimming behavior. Yeah, it's quite often that you'll see somebody engaged in a lot of stimming behavior, and it can, you know, be overwhelming to others around. So, but when you stop the stimming, what happens is it becomes an obsessive behavior. And so what you're looking for is, are different times when the person is just like, okay, it's, you can just stem away. It is time. And we can even schedule that into the person's life. But truly, if they're not bothering anybody, and this is just only an embarrassment factor, then, you know, we might have to look at alternative ways of looking at it. Because this is a release for this individual. And it often not only gives you a thermometer of how they're feeling, but it often is a, a way of releasing anxiety. Okay, so number eight, family functions such as parties and long celebratory meals can be tricky with autistic children. Be on hand to help out. Pack a goodie bag filled with distractions. This does not need to be expensive. Things like spinners and balloons and stretchy toys can be of great diversions. A prepared goodie bag, a pre-prepared goodie bag can be the difference between your friend being able to stay at a celebration or having to leave early with a distressed child. And, you know, 
then there's the carryover that they don't want to go back to that person's house. They don't want to go back to their family's house because they're embarrassed. So setting up that little bag of goodies to play with and have as a distraction can be a great, great advantage to your friend. A mother of an autistic child may say that she can't come for an evening out as it's simply too difficult for her to leave home. Keep asking. Keep reminding her that she's a valued friend and that her company is very much wanted. Number 10. I firmly believe that dealing with today's problems is quite enough. Discourage your friend from trying to plan too far ahead. Energy spent worrying about the future will drain her energy for today. Our young people with autism can surprise us, developing in ways that seemed impossible when they were children. Calm parents, love and unconditional acceptance are vital ingredients for ensuring happy adult, for ensuring them later as being happy adults. So one of the things about, let's just talk a little bit about past, present, future. Our depressions and sadness lie in our past. Our anxieties lie in our future. But in our current present day, in our current present moment, we're okay. We're okay in the now. And the power of now is extremely important to stay in the present, especially when you're dealing with a lot of different stresses. So it's a hard thing to do because our minds want to creep towards things that we didn't do right in the past and our minds want to creep up towards the future of what's going to happen. But in reality, all we can really live is the present. And that's a thing to remind that mom of too, is that in the present, she's doing a damn good job. Now, I'd like to introduce author Julie Hornick. When her daughter Lizzie was diagnosed with autism at age two, Julie jumped into researching and implementing a 30-hour-a-week home therapy program. This program treated Lizzie's behavior and speech along with the diet and medical interventions to heal her body. A few, day, few years later, as her daughter made good progress, Julie went through her videos and began a video blog. And the blog shows Lizzie's progress to encourage others. As a result of the video blog, Julie became the go-to mom for helping parents with new autism diagnosis and was honored to accept a position on the board of the National Autism Association of North Texas. She was also asked to blog for Autism Spot. Blogging regularly enabled her to encourage and help thousands across the globe through humorous, heartfelt stories about Lizzie and videos showing the therapy she was using to help her daughter progress. Through AutismSpot.com, Julie discovered her love for writing. She has published short stories in multiple Chicken Soup for the Soul books and received an audible mention in the Memoirs and Personal Essay category of the 86 Writers' Digest Annual Writing Competition in 2017. Her work has also appeared in Parent Special Need, Parenting Special Needs Magazine, Autism Parenting Magazine, Autism Spot, Thrive Magazine, LiteraryMama.com, and many more. 
Julie is passionate about supporting families with autism and lives in Texas with her husband and three children. You can connect with her at www.juliehornick.com. And with that, I would really love to bring Julie on and, and have a nice little discussion. So, Julie, are you with me this morning? I am. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Uh, I've been enjoying your book very much. Uh, like I said to you a couple of days ago, I've, I've read it a couple times now. And uh, it's just such heartfelt stories and so many moms out there that just need to know that they're, that they're not alone. So, you know, tell, tell me about your, your history as a parent. Well, I actually have three kids. Um, I have two boys. My boys are 17 and 12, and then my daughter is in the middle. She's 15 years old, and she's my one with autism. Mm-hmm. And so she was diagnosed right at two years old. She, there was no, sometimes you get a, hey, let's wait and see. But with her, she had every single symptom of autism, and mm-hmm. she was basically unaware of us as people, we were the same as an object to her, and she was had no language, and she stemmed all day long. She walked around aimlessly around the house. She banged her head on the ground. Um, just everything you can think of for autism, she it was all checked off. And so, and all, and all the things that you and, didn't, all the things that you didn't want to see as a new mom either. Well, and honestly, as a mom, you you before you know it's autism, you just think they're cute little quirks. And so that's kind of something I don't hear people talking about all the time. But you, you learn in one day that these cute little quirky things you think are unique to your child that you kind of love about them are actually just symptoms of a disability. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of like the first hit, you know. That's the first, oh, man, life isn't what I thought it was. Um, right. But we, we did in that a 30 therapy program. Yeah, I was just going to say in that story. Speech and ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis, and so she began to progress, and she began to talk, and then she began to communicate, and then she began to converse. And so right now she's 15. She's just rocking life. She's completely mainstreamed in school. Um, she is on the leadership for cheer. She's a cheerleader. She's on the volleyball team. She had a date and went to homecoming, you know, so she's doing everything I'd want any of my kids to do, but she's, she still has autism. She's quirky and fun, you know? So. Yeah, but uh, there was a lot of work that went into making sure that she was doing okay. Uh, we have a yeah. break here in about 30 seconds, but I want to hear about what, why did you decide to do the video blogging? I mean, what a brilliant idea to be able to share with others. What got you into thinking about doing that if you can do that well, in 30 seconds I, or less <laughs> I would only see I wanted to see one kid that got better I needed to know that it was possible for her to get better and people would always say oh here's a picture of my kid before and it's like this vacant picture of this child with hollow eyes and then you see oh here's my kid after and it's like a smiling child looking at the camera well I knew that if I took 2,000 pictures, which I would, to get my kid looking at the camera, I could. So that meant, those pictures meant nothing to me. I needed to see with my own eyes a child before and after, their behaviors before and after, and kind of their experience. And I couldn't find that anywhere. So I decided I was going to just, when I knew she was getting better, because I couldn't handle it before that, but when I knew she was getting better, I decided to go ahead and start just kind of showing the video blogs of our experience and how she was progressing, and just to give other parents hope so they could see as possible. 
That's amazing. We will be back in a couple of minutes and we'll continue our discussion about her, her progress. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back. We're talking with author Julie Hornick about her book, United in Autism, and we're discussing her daughter that has autism and that she had done some videotaping of her uh, therapies and treatments to show her progress. And during the break, we were talking a bit, and she said she had wished she had uh, filmed more of the challenges, but... I was just pointing out that people want to see, yeah, they, they know that the challenges exist, but they really want to know that things can get better. And I think, the, Jolie, the fact that you spent the majority of your time emphasizing the positive, emphasizing what could be done, uh, w- was very helpful for people because the seeing the challenges can scare people away. Too, you know, it's it's not always, you know, like okay, I want to show all the reality. They know, people know that you have dealt with struggles. 
tell tell what was for for Lizzie for your daughter. What was the experience like? You said some early things, but rather than saying I wish I had video, let's talk about it a little bit. What were some of the challenges okay, sure. that you saw? I mean, the biggest challenge I think when you have a child that doesn't understand how the world works is keeping her safe. So it was extremely hard to go out because she was a runner. And we did have probably four or one of the things that my husband and I decided is we are going to give this child a normal life and we can't give her a normal life and we can't help her to integrate into the world without taking her into the world. So we were on guard all the time, but we were out. We were trying to go out. It was very hard. And we did have several times when we took her out, um, once at a park and once at a 4th of July thing and once on a trip where she did get away from us and police were called. And um, one time she was found in a creek and we, just by the grace of God, aren't having a different conversation because that's the most terrifying thing and the biggest fear for a parent of a child with autism is drowning. Um, so we were keeping Absolutely. her safe. Um, and then we were planning a schedule. Every single thing I did to take her out of the house was impossible without a social story before. So I made personal social stories for everything we did. We didn't try anything new without it. She was well prepped and it was so much work to do that. And so I spent years just exhausted and mm-hmm. um, I wasn't a, the greatest wife and I wasn't the greatest friend and I wasn't even the greatest mom to my other kids but I was solely kind of focused on getting her better and so that's kind of like the exhausting beginning you know and every time she would make a little step it would make it worth it but it wasn't easy and there was no part of it that was easy so, no. And did you have any state supports in place, either supports from the school district or supports from local developmental agencies? I'm in Texas, and yeah. there's a 15-year waiting list for any kind of help. Um, so, no, uh, uh, it was all out of our pocket, and we actually moved out of our dream home and borrowed money to pay for it. And we do have a great school system, so she was in the school during the day, and that was taken care of, and it was a great program. But as far as outside therapy, it was there was nothing, and it was really it. it it hits you on every level because it hits you on your emotional level of trying to cope with your new life. It hits you financially because there's not enough support. Even in what I consider to be a fantastic area for autism, it's you're paying for it. You know, so it hits you financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the discrepancy and that I see because your body at some point gets tired of being in fight or flight, and it just something has to go wrong, and it does. Yes. Um, and we all, all of us, have experienced it. Well, and we've talked a lot on the show about PTSD and the fact that so many parents, especially moms, are dealing with extreme levels of stress that move them beyond the ability to take care of their kids. They can't even take care of themselves and how sick they can get. And I, you know, I, I, I work with people across the United States and talk with people and the discrepancy that I see between from one state to the next. I mean, I could see so I have. People here in California that I know that have like 24-7 care or have Mm two-on-one care. And then I have friends that have kids in Louisiana that have no support whatsoever. And and then – or that they have to drive, you know, two hours to get an occupational therapy uh, appointment in. And, you know, it just – 
it, it would the the point of the federal government and the point of IDEA, which is a special ed law, and the point of ADA, which is also disability law, is that there's continuity between states. That there's not like if you live in California and you have you know somebody to help you at home, and then your husband or your wife or whatever has to move because of a job, and you have you move to Oregon and all of a sudden you lose everything that you have. Uh, there. You would hope that the federal laws would start to be enacted in a variety of states. And, you know, things like your book are the beginnings of showing outsiders what it's like to be on the inside, what they have to deal with on a daily basis, that they're not just numbers, that they're not just a, a disability reference in the DSM, that they are people living lives and they're pretty pretty challenging and without those supports you know if the kid had cancer the insurance company would kick right in you know but and we do have laws that in there is a a house bill for one that allows for insurances to pay for autism services and then we have state bills that allow but you know a state bill house bill is one thing that is federal state bill not going to necessarily carry over why did you um, uh, actually be, let me ask you something else when you talked a little bit about how it affected you financially and how it affected your and how it affects everything how did it affect your relationship as parents with each other you mean yeah like I mean just as parents husband? yeah I mean just yeah yeah I mean it's it's really hard and I'm very blessed in that I have the ultimate I'm sticking with it husband and he I know that's not always the case um I I wasn't a great wife I did not pay as much attention to him I did not appreciate him like I do now in retrospect just looking back and it I mean it was huge stress on our relationship because as a mom and this is very typical of our families the mom jumps in hard and goes forward and the husband sometimes jumps in with, but often is kind of goes to the background of it and is supporting, but not necessarily as involved in it. And it that there's a lot of resentment from the mom, and then there's a lot of resentment from the dad because they're being left behind and not included in everything. And I think that's really, really hard on the relationship. And you don't have time. I, I, I physically did not have the time or mental ability to take care for one more person. And since he was an adult, he was able to care for himself, and so I let him. Um, And he didn't feel the love for me that he needed to feel as a spouse. And so um, it was. It was really hard, and I was very blessed that my husband was like, I love you. I've made this commitment. I'm staying here. I love our family. And he stayed and did what it took to be with our family and to honor that family and support us, even in the midst when I wasn't the perfect wife. And so... That's and I why think the that that's so what I, I think. Well, and I think that the divorce rate is so high when that is not the accepted mentality in the house. That the mentality, if the mentality is about you need to take care of me, then mm-hmm. it's a failure from the get go. If the mentality in a marriage is we take care of each other, and there's going to be times where it's fifty fifty, there's going to be times where it's twenty five seventy five, there's going to be times where it's ninety nine and one where I don't have any any lifetime to give to you right now. But in the successful marriage, 
with the child with a disability, I believe it's accepting the fact that the person has these responsibilities and that there's no guilting, that there's no you should do this or you should do that, and that the it's quite often in mo- in many families mom has the majority of responsibility. But as long as dad is says, I'll, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. You don't have to worry about me. I need to help you do whatever it is that you're trying to do. Then you're going to have a successful relationship. When the issue becomes, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you should have done that, and the guilt and shame are thrown at each other, that's when we see the disruption of the marriage. And, you know, yeah, I mean, the numbers we, as, are incredibly as, this high. This is good advice for any family is that whenever you focus on what they're not doing, you can always find things. But if you focus on what they are doing, you can also find things. And so mm-hmm. for me, I had to change my experience from looking at what he wasn't doing to recognizing what he was doing. And what he was doing was working harder than ever to financially support the things that I was implementing. And so I think it's it's really important to just focus on the positive in the marriage and also allow each other, like he had to, you know, he, I was dealing with having a child that wasn't what I thought parenting was going to be, but he was dealing with having a, that child, but also having a wife that was no longer what he married. <laughs> I, oh, there's yeah. no way for you to go through this experience and not completely change. And my views on things changed, who I was changed, what I was able to give to him changed, and he had to actually gr- probably grieve the wife he thought he was going to have because I wasn't there anymore. And not to say I couldn't get back to that, but for that time period of intensity and some, for some people that lasts their whole lives, yeah, I, you know, I, I, do, I didn't have to give what I once had to give and he had to just choose to be okay with that and take what he now had because of his commitment. What an interesting concept to also look at is just like that, that, that molding of how the relationship changes when this, I don't want to sound so scientific, but this variable of a disability comes into play and how different people can deal with it. We are um, at another little break time. We will come back in a couple of minutes and continue our conversation about Julie's book. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Okay, welcome back, listeners. We're talking with Julie Hornick, author of United in Autism. Um, a, we've been discussing relationships, being the parent of a child with autism. Julie, I want you to tell me about your book, United in Autism. Tell me what it's about and, and tell me why you decided to write it. Absolutely. So when my daughter started to progress and do better... I had a lot of freed up mental energy, physical energy, and I, I'd been through the tough stuff. And I had my heart is just for the people, the moms specifically, that are going through that same thing, that are still in the trenches of autism. And so I started to do these events where I just, it was like we raised money and we just pampered the moms. And at these events, I wanted to give away a book that kind of, when they got back down off the high of the night, that they could go and they could just get, receive inspiration in small chunks when they were feeling sad or when things weren't going the way. And I couldn't believe that there wasn't a book out there. And so I thought, well, I'll just write it. <laughs> so I wrote a book and I interviewed 30 families across the whole world, so everywhere, like Russia, Australia, Singapore, Brazil, um, Israel, you name it, there's families in there. And I wanted to find, okay, what are the keys to finding peace and joy in this journey when it doesn't get better, when your kid doesn't get better, when you don't have the best circumstances, when you don't have the best resources, when you don't have support? How, how are people finding peace in the journey? And so that's what I did. I, I did um, go through and interview those people, and each story shares a story that it, I think every person that lives autism will be like, oh, been there. You know, it shares the hard stuff, but then it shows the three things that they did to get out of it, which is they allowed themselves to grieve. They found a community, no matter how hard they look. And I'm telling you, some people had to look really hard. Like, for instance, Maria Kaminsky in Germany, she has a son that's 42 years old, and he was diagnosed with cancer autism. 
and they didn't have internet. They didn't know anyone. So she put an ad in the newspaper every week looking for somebody else that had a kid like that and mm-hmm. found this huge community and ended up starting a school and the government ended up paying for the school. So she kind of spearheaded that. So there was um, grieving and then finding community. And then the other thing is giving back in acts of service. And it can be tiny, but there mm-hmm. is that dopamine effect when we give. We, we do get more than we give. And it brings purpose to our pain when we're able to help others in the realm of what we have learned. And so that's the book, and it's 30 stories, and Temple Grandin was so kind um, to write the forward for it. And so I hope that it inspires people as they're in their journey because they need to realize this is about not feeling alone. This is about knowing that no matter what the crazy stuff going on in your house is, it's going on in someone else's house, and there's someone else that's been there, and there's someone else that's like you. The idea of universalism is what you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I talked about it a little bit earlier on the show. It's so important for people to recognize and know that they're not alone, that other people have dealt with the same things, have worked with the same, have had similar experiences. Uh, one of the things that I really noticed in the book was that the people that were living in other we talked about the discrepancy within the United States, but when we look at the differences between what goes on here and what goes on in other countries, the 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 mom from Germany, yes, she was able to put together some resources for herself, but it wasn't easy. But you had a story of a mom in Ethiopia who had absolutely it not only did she not have any support services, but the fact that it was seen as a taboo by the family that she was the cause of the disability, which goes back to what a lot of moms dealt with here in the United States when Bruno Bettelheim came out with his concept about refrigerator mom and moms being so cold and distant that they caused their kids autism, where this mom in Ethiopia has her in-laws come take her other kids away, take her husband away and say, look, you you have some evil demon inside of you that's caused this. You raised this kid. We're taking everybody back. She, not only does she not have community, she has her family abandon her and she still has to take care of the kids. So she ends up tying him up every day in order to go to work, make enough money to put some food on the table until finally there's somebody finds some money and put something together so that they can, uh, 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 so that she has some kind of a resource. Oh my goodness. I cried through that story. I read it twice yesterday. <laughs> it because is I was an just incredible like, story. And the yes. other beautiful piece of that is, so there's two kind of stories within the story, but the woman, there's a, the woman that didn't have her, her husband stayed and she's the one helping the women, the women that right. their husbands had left. And she had the means to leave Ethiopia and get help for her son and yet stayed in the midst of it because she felt the need to help all these other moms. And what she gave up is beautiful also. And I think that's what is so important to know as parents, we are on this team and I was able to go and talk to any parent in countries that didn't even speak the same language, we had zero in common other than autism. And we can have this beautiful conversation. We have a ton in common. We felt the same emotions. We want the same things for our kid. And autism is, as much as none of us would choose it, none of us would want it, it does bring the world a little bit closer and brings us together in a way that I haven't seen anything else be able to do. 
What do you, um, we have a couple minutes left of the show, but what are your yeah. goals for your readers? My goal is for them not to feel alone and to quite simply spur them to do some of the things that the parents in this book have done. I want them to recognize they're not alone, but I want them to actually take action and find their community, find their people, because they're there, whether they're on the Internet or whether they're in their town. They need to be talking with people that are having the same struggles. And then to give back, to recognize that, as exhausted as we are, as tired as every day brings, if you can find just a little way in your normal life to help the people that are one less step down that road, um, it will it will magnify in your life and you will feel just so much more purpose in what you're going through. Mm, that's wonderful. How can people reach out to you? So they can go to my website, and the easier one to go to is www.unitedinautism.com, unitedinautism.com, and they can see what we're doing. The other thing is we're now bringing these, <clears throat> excuse me, we're bringing these moms events around the United States and then hopefully to other countries as well, and they're free, fun, pampering events, and I'm really excited about being able to do this for more moms because we need it. We need the break, and and the response has been incredible. So they can contact me through that. There's a contact sheet on that website. Um, also on Facebook, Julie and I have put out, Autism. I have put oh. out on our website all of your Facebook information, your, your oh, blog blog information, and, uh, and the book title and where to get that. Um, so nice to have you on the show today where we've come to the end of the show Maybe we can think about having you on again for another conversation because I really enjoyed it and I don't feel like we got to talk about everything that we wanted to. So, Julie, thank you. Remember, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Remember that on Strategies and Solutions, taking on the challenge with Dr. Sean, we're about your success and know that each day can be a new future you dream of having in your life. See you next time. Blessings. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.